Good morning, everyone. I forgot to write the guitar chords for Emily. So, welcome to our Easter service this morning. It's so um, lovely to see a full house here. I'm excited to hear how we sing together and praise God on this blessed Easter morning. So, let's stand and sing together.
Morning. Good morning. Anybody got thumbs? <laughs> Just everything. Anyways, we'll read our call to worship. Uh, you can read with me if you want, or just listen to my wonderful voice. It's up to you. It's from Luke um, 24, verses 5 to 6. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. I'll uh, open with a word of prayer here. Dear Lord, we just uh, give thanks that uh, you you did rise. Um, and what a blessing that is, and uh, how we don't... Um, take stock of it enough um, and that uh, we we think about it this weekend and throughout the year but not nearly enough and uh, we just need to remember that and uh, we just pray for the day and the sunshine and that we're able to come together in this building and uh, listen to your word uh, we just pray for Pastor Glenn as he shares uh, a message with us this morning and uh, that we can just hear it and uh, take that for the rest of the day the rest of the week and the rest of the year in your name we pray amen we have a Charlie, Jerrica, Heather, Jeremy. Who do we got? Who's the lucky, lucky winner? Awesome. Thanks, Jerrica. Good morning. I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 28. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all so, at, so in Christ all we will be made will be made alive. But but in each turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be in all, all in all. such a joy to look into your word and to just read how you rose from the dead and what that means to us and for us. All of us who know you as Savior, of course, have experienced your resurrection because you live inside of us and we know it. And we thank you that uh, we can just look at it again from the pages of your word and realize that, that you have indeed risen and you have won the victory. Lord, as we just open our hearts and our minds to your word this morning, may it be you doing the speaking, and may we all hear what you're saying to us personally in our own lives and how it should be applied. 
We ask this in your name. Amen. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. And that's why, as I've said many times in the past, it deserves to be the greatest celebration ever. I think I've told this story before, but because I think it's pretty funny, and because it contains a profound truth, I will tell it again. And it comes from Christian humorist Phil Calloway. The way he tells it, his son Stephen was five years old, and they were driving past their town's graveyard, and... Uh, Young Stephen noticed a pile of dirt beside a newly dug grave. And he pointed it and said to his dad, Look, Dad, one got out. <laughs> and Calloway says, I, I laughed at his word, but the more I laughed, the more I began to hang on to them. That is the reason for our joy and our hope. One got out. Death could not keep our Savior in the grave. He rose from the dead. A pastor named Skip Viao, I think is how you pronounce it, he told of a particular Easter morning when he was telling the story of the resurrection uh, for the children's sermon. And he asked the children, what were Jesus' first words to his disciples after he rose from the dead? And a little girl shot her hand up in the air and she said, Ta-da! <laughs> Though not quite biblically accurate, I, <laughs> I think that's just a great answer. <laughs> and I think it speaks well to what we are going to focus on this morning, which is, why do we celebrate the resurrection? All four of the Gospels that are in the beginning of the New Testament in our Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they all record for us the fact of Jesus' resurrection. They're all different, as they each record different details to include what the writer thought was important to include as he was writing to whatever audience he was writing to. But you put them all together, and we have a pretty detailed and extremely accurate account of Jesus' resurrection and his appearance to his disciples after he rose from the dead. But instead of going to these Gospels this morning, um, we're going to look at one of the epistles the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, a little over 20 years later. Um, in this epistle, Paul devotes an entire chapter to the significance of the resurrection, of Jesus' resurrection, and explains for us how this event in history changes everything. And how, because it actually happened, there is so much hope for us as Christians, and as a result, so much joy. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it literally means the difference between life and death for us. Eternal life and eternal death. 15th chapter of this epistle, 1 Corinthians, is where we want to look at today. It's a long chapter. Uh, it's important we understand the significance of Jesus' resurrection. We're not going to look at the whole chapter. We're, we'll look at some selected passages within that chapter. And in so doing, we will, I hope, understand why we celebrate the resurrection. So let's look into it. As Christians, we need to understand why we celebrate the resurrection. And I think we can better understand it by looking at the reasons given for us here in 1 Corinthians 15. And there's a lot of reasons there. I'm going to look at two. Two reasons that come out of this chapter that speaks to why we celebrate the resurrection. 
Number one, it proves the validity of our faith. The resurrection of Jesus proves the validity of our faith. Our faith as Christians stands or falls on this one event. Jesus' resurrection. If Jesus didn't actually physically, bodily come alive again and leave that tomb empty, then Christianity is just a farce. It's that simple. All of our beliefs, all of our teachings, all of our hope have their foundation in this one historical event. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that didn't happen, then all of our beliefs and teachings and all of our hopes going forward just tumble like a house of cards. I hope you're turning your Bibles already to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read verses 13 to 19 of 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 13 to 19. If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our teaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. That those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. That is the Apostle Paul's point here. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our faith is worthless. Then there's no salvation from the penalty of our sins. When this life is over, it's over. There's nothing left but eternal damnation. If that is the case, then we as Christians are a sorry bunch. We've taken a bit of a break from our series through the book of Acts for the Easter season. Uh, but think back to what we've seen so far in the book of Acts as we follow the story of how the disciples, who are now called apostles, how they spread the gospel and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ after Jesus ascended to heaven. What did we see as we went through the book of Acts? What did Peter preach? That first sermon in Acts 2, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out on him, what did, Jesus, what did Peter preach? What did they preach to the crowd when Jesus healed that lame man at the temple gate? What did Peter preach to the Sanhedrin when they were brought to trial after that? What did Stephen preach to that same Sanhedrin when he was arrested and brought to trial? And we could go on and on. Every one of those sermons was all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They preached that Jesus, whom they all saw crucified, rose from the dead. That's what they preached. That proved that all of Jesus' teachings and all of his claims about himself were true. That proved, his resurrection proved that he was the Messiah that God had promised all along. And everyone needs to accept him as such, repent of their sins, and place their faith in him. Jesus, the risen Savior. That was every message, every sermon preached by the apostles 
as we've seen so far in the book of Acts. That's why the Jewish leaders persecuted them. Because they hated Jesus. They had Jesus killed. They didn't want to hear anything more about him. It was over and done. So they thought. And the idea of him raising from the dead or rising from the dead was something they could not abide. Ever thought about that? If they were so strong in their disbelief of Jesus' resurrection and so against it being preached, why didn't they just disprove it? Why didn't they just say, no, Jesus did not rise from the dead. There's his body right here. Why didn't they do that? That would have stopped these pesky apostles in their tracks. It would have wiped out any notion of Jesus being the Messiah. Christianity would have been stopped cold right there, almost before it started, if they would have just done that. All they had to do. But they didn't. Why not? <laughs> Obvious. Because they couldn't. They couldn't disprove it. The fact was that the tomb was empty. And Jesus' body was gone. And the disciples had all actually seen Jesus alive after the tomb was found empty. Paul appeals to that back in the beginning of chapter 15 of this 1 Corinthians. Look at those first few verses. I won't take time to read it, but look at it. Skim along there. Jesus, or P, Paul says, this, this is of first importance. This is what we preach to you. This is the gospel we brought to you. Jesus, crucified and buried. According to the scriptures, he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And after he rose from the dead, he appeared alive. He, he listed there, first of all, to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the twelve. Verse 5, 6 there. And then after that, to more than 500 at one time. 500 at one time. By the way, Paul says most of those 500 are still alive at the time when he wrote this. So, he said some of them, some have died, but most of them are still alive. It's almost as if Paul is saying to the skeptics, go ask them. They're still alive, go talk to them. And then Paul says later on that Jesus appeared alive to him as well. The tomb was empty. Lots of people had actually literally seen the risen Jesus. The Jewish leaders could not dispute it. So they resorted to persecution and torture and murder to try to stop it. We left off at verse 19 there before when we were reading. Look at verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep in Jesus. Christ has risen from, there it is. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, our faith has no foundation. But Jesus has risen from the dead. And so our faith has that firm foundation. That means it's all true. It's all true. Jesus is who he claimed to be. Jesus' death did pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus did win the victory over sin and death. Jesus can and does offer forgiveness 
and cleansing to all who make the choice to place their faith in him and repent of their sin, accept him as their savior. And with that, Jesus can and does offer to all who do that a place in heaven for all eternity. It's all true. It's all real. Why do we celebrate the resurrection? <laughs> because it proves the validity of our faith. It's all real. It's all true. Secondly, second reason we celebrate the resurrection, it guarantees our ultimate victory. It guarantees our ultimate victory. Let's look at those verses that were read for us early, earlier that Jericho read for us. Verses 20 to 28. Won't take time to read them again, but you can follow along in your Bibles as we go. Paul in these verses takes us through some theology if you like, explaining the connection between Jesus' resurrection and victory. Death came to the human race as a result of the action of one man, Adam. Because of his choice of disobedience, sin entered into the world, and with sin came the penalty of death. Thus, all who come after Adam, descendant of Adam, you and I included, Inherit that sin nature, meaning we all will sin. We are all sinners. And we all will die because of our sin. In Adam, we all die, it says. But, also, by the actions of one man, comes a resurrection from the dead. That one man is Jesus. So because Jesus rose from the dead, even though because of Adam we all die, now because of Jesus we'll all be made alive. If we place our faith in him. So Jesus is the first to rise from the dead in victory over sin and death. He is the first fruits, if you like. The first of the harvest. That's what first fruits kind of meant. And that's it's a picture, it's a symbol. That's what the first fruits in the Old Testament law was about. The first of the harvest you brought to the temple to present to God. It's an indication of what is to come. That God is blessed with the harvest. Here's the first of it. Give it to God. It's an indication of more to come. Jesus, the first fruits of those who rise from the dead. Jesus is the first of that resurrection harvest, if you like. An indication of what is to come. And what is to come? All those who have placed their faith in Jesus, when he returns, we too will rise from the dead. And then as you go on there, it says, after this happens, the end will come. When Jesus will present his kingdom to God the Father. And he will deal with all the corrupt rule and authority and power. And he, Jesus, will reign until all enemies will be defeated. The last of which will be death itself. And all things then are under subjection to Jesus Christ. And then he will finally turn it all over to God the Father. That God will be all in all. So you see the connection between the resurrection of Jesus and his ultimate victory. It's his resurrection that guarantees the ultimate victory. The decisive battle... That guarantees victory. That decisive battle between God and all the forces of evil led by Satan and his demons. That decisive battle was fought that weekend 
almost 2,000 years ago. When Jesus was crucified and buried and then rose from the dead. That was the battle that decided the final outcome. When Jesus left that tomb alive, the victory was won and it's essentially over. Yes, there's still battles to be fought. There are still skirmishes that break out. Satan is going to go down swinging, and he is going down swinging, but he is going down. The final outcome is not in doubt. The outcome of the remaining battles, friends, are not in doubt. Jesus is and always will be victorious. That was settled at Jesus' resurrection. Friends, Jesus rose from the dead. He won. He beat death. He beat sin. He beat Satan. He beat all the forces that were against him. And because of his resurrection, he will beat all the forces against him that are yet to come. He is victorious. And so for us, if we place our faith in Jesus and accept him as Savior, then we're on his side. We also will win. It's guaranteed. Yeah, this world is going crazy. We know that. Our country is becoming more and more anti-God, anti-Christian all the time. The direction of our world and our society and our nation is definitely away from God and toward evil. That's true. But Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> so he will win. In this battle, he will win. And all us Christians who are with him, we will win. We don't have to fear that because we know who will win. This has struck me this last two, three, four weeks. I've been thinking through this and and I come across a lot of people, a lot of good Christian people, who are so bogged down and so in despair because the direction our world is going, the direction our government is taking us, the and they're just, oh my goodness, and they're just in despair about it. <coughs> yeah, it, there's some truth to that. It's going in a bad direction. But who's going to win? We know who's going to win. We don't have to be in despair about it. We can rejoice because, yeah, there's going to be some hard times, but we know who's going to win. Jesus won. Jesus rose from the dead. We're on his side. We're going to win. This battle that we're in as Christians in this world, we're going to win. Look down to verse 51 through 58 of this chapter 15. Let's read it, 51 to 58. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about that saying that is written, 
death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? thing of death is sin, power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. sealed the victory for us. Why do we celebrate the resurrection? Because it proves the validity of our faith. It guarantees our ultimate victory. Jesus is and will be victorious. And if we are his disciples, we are and will be victorious. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. Verse 58 closes there. We just read it. As verse 58 says, that's why we keep on doing what Jesus told us to do. That's why we stand firm and stay firm in our faith and steadfast and immovable. Because we know that it's not in vain. Because we know we're going to win. That's why we stay strong. Jesus' resurrection guarantees that ultimate victory. And that's why we celebrate the resurrection. So therefore we see from this passage the reasons why we celebrate the resurrection. Two of them, number one, it proves the validity of our faith. Everything Jesus taught is right and is true and is real. The resurrection proved that. He is who he claimed to be. He is the Savior who can and will offer salvation and cleansing and eternal life to all who place their faith in him and accept him as Savior. His resurrection proves that. And secondly, it guarantees our ultimate victory. Jesus won. The tomb was empty. He's alive. He's won and we will win. Ultimate victory is guaranteed. And for us as Christians who have placed their faith in him, it is guaranteed for us as well. Jesus' resurrection guarantees it. Friends, if there ever was a reason to celebrate anything... It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's celebrate and let's worship. And then let's worship and then let's celebrate. <laughs> resurrection. It's real, it's true. Let's celebrate. We won't take our time of silence. We'll just celebrate and worship. Music team, please. Let's stand and sing together again. As the team gets ready, I just want to say how happy I am to see a full house. I have been praying, well, for a long time, but sort of seems like we've come through two years. Pastor Glenn's shaking it, he knows exactly what I'm going to say. Where sometimes it seems like it's just us and a few people. And we, we sing and we worship anyways, because that's what we're called to do, and we're not singing it for each other necessarily. But man, it sure is good to have everybody here. And so we can all sing together.
Sundays ago, that um, the Easter words to that were written by our very own Cam Edwards. Is 
Jump. 
Thank you for your singing. 